0: Welcome to NetFront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post-Dispatch, joined by Jim Thomas on scene, covering the Blues, Tom Timmerman. And, uh, guys, uh, the happy talk is over. Our heroes have really <laughs> hit a tough stretch here. The last ten games, where they got three regulation wins, I think. And uh, a couple tough losses over the weekend to good teams and then a, a bad loss to a terrible team. So, JT, I'll just start off with you. Uh, what the heck happened here?
1: I would like to ask you the same thing, Gardo, and, and you, Tom Timmerman. It, 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 is, uh, it is befuddling. You know, we talked with the 5-0-0 start. Uh, you know, I think all of us tried to tap the brakes a little bit. I mean, I, I know I pointed out several times the 13-3-1 start by Mike Yo led to uh, not even a playoff berth. And uh, I, I would say the Stanley Cup parade is, uh, it, it has taken a, a, a time out here. One of the puzzling things about this is uh, the fact that some of the blues marquee players have been the ones that have, have struggled here. And uh, you know, for some good reasons in the case of like Ryan O'Reilly coming off the COVID and he, he was a guy that clearly was affected uh, by the COVID. So when you have O'Reilly struggling, Perron struggling, Colton pareco struggling, that's, that's not a, uh, not a good thing. But I think if you had to, in in there are tons of different directions we can go with all this, but if you had to boil it down, I would say that the things that we all talked about at the start of the season might be, that might be issues are starting to be issues. I mean, concerns about the defense to a lesser degree, the goaltending, but after that spectacular performance in Winnipeg, I'll just say, you know, quickly bennington has been a lot closer to average than, than, than awesome. It doesn't look like he's seeing the puck, but uh, I think mainly it, it's it's the defense and uh, everything that involves defense, whether it's the uh, the forwards getting back and helping the zone exits and uh, uh, you know there there are only so many players that they, they can bring out to help out or shuffle because uh, they don't have a lot of organizational depth uh, on the blue line.
2: And when they allow four goals in a game, uh, they're not going to win very often. When they allow three goals in a game, it, it's still dodgy at that point. And they've just been allowing, you know, three goals a game almost every night out and uh, they don't have the offense right now. Their finishing has been um, not good. There, there have been chances in front of the net and, you know, close opportunities to score and they can't put them away. And this is a thing with this team going back for years is they, they don't have that luxury, when they've got those chances, they got to finish them because there are not many games where they're going to overpower the opponent offensively. Um, So they're going to win games three to two, and they're not going to win a lot of games five to four.
0: Well, just to review the big picture uh, over the weekend, a a couple of highly entertaining games, uh, Carolina on the road, Edmonton at home opportunities to get points in both. But uh, a failure, you know, then some good hockey in there, some some good high caliber hockey, but then ultimately the inability to finish it off just that uh, a trademark of a really good team is making sure you're going to get at least a point out of that you're going to finish regulation time in good shape you're going to be sound and, and in in each case, um, you know some stretches of good hockey uh, JT were, were wasted against good opponents.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And if you look back over the entire course of this, the 15 games, the blues have uh, seven losses. If you count the OT loss and the uh, shootout loss and uh, six of the seven have been one goal games. The The, the blues used to be just recently, m- maybe not last year, but before that masters of closing out games, like, like you say, Jeff, and they, now they've got, uh, they can't figure out how to win these one goal games and uh, especially with late goals. I mean, I think these last three games, the latest uh, or the earliest goal that was this decisive goal <laughs> was uh, was last night, and, and that was like a uh, what? About six minutes left in the game, yeah. and when you're allowing goals with two two minutes left and and uh, twenty seven seconds left, what, what was that? The Edmonton uh, the Edmonton game. I mean, not good things. Like you say, leaving points on the table and. Uh, you know, you can fall back on yeah. There's plenty of plenty of games left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you come down to the end of the season, and, and you're in a scramble for for playoff spot or playoff positioning, uh, those are points that you miss. And the the, the classic example is that 17-18 season where they miss by one point, one measly point of being in the uh, in the postseason.
2: Yeah, there's there's at least four points. Uh, over the last three games that they have uh frittered away and and maybe six, I mean, they they, they could have they should have taken those first the Carolina Edmonton game, they should have taken to overtime, and then it's a crapshoot at that point. They they just should have beaten Arizona on this on spec, but they didn't do it. And so, yeah, it, you know, you look at how this central division is going to be boy, six points, or even four points that you know, that's a swing right there that's big. So, you know, in parts of the Carolina game, they played very good, you know, and there were a few mistakes that cost them, and then they gave up that late goal, and there was no coming back uh, from that. But, you know, Carolina, in, in, against Edmonton, but really against Carolina, they played a very good game. Um, but the few holes they put themselves in, the few mistakes they made uh, were at bad
0: times uh, and were costly. Now, when we look at the uh, the Arizona game, that was uh, a casual performance for a while, and then of course a a better push late. But uh, I'm thinking every time we saw the old no look drop pass, (laughs) I got to be thinking the chief, you know, blood pressure, um, you know, maybe a little uh, irregular heartbeat, perhaps. I don't. I mean, it can't be can't be good standing on the bench watching one after another. Of these uh, silly drop passes. I know you're playing the Coyotes. You think you're in for a, a skate, but man, did they get cute or what, JT? I mean, my goodness. And then, of course, you, when you're doing your own zone, oh,
1: Robert C. Robert Thomas. That was the uh, uh, the first goal. Who's who's otherwise played uh, very well this year. And I, you know, I, I think it's a common malady at home. You you one. I mean, there's no doubt they can slice it. They can dice it. They can rationalize it any way they want. They they took the Coyotes lightly. I think you try to show off a little more at home for Ruby said many times he thinks they're more focused. They're more direct when they're on the road, uh, but trying to show off for the fans and, and he, he was almost funny. He was so upset about it and yeah, we might've egged him on a little bit, but, uh, he just all but issued a decree. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he wants to outlaw the, uh, the, the, the backwards, uh, the backwards pass, no more, no look, uh, uh, passes, you know, Tarasenko had a couple that went, to uh, no one in particular, but he wasn't the only, he wasn't the lone ranger when it came to, uh, 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 to that. So, uh, uh, yeah, those are the kind of things that drive him crazy. I have a feeling had they won that game three to two, he would have been almost equally agitated.
2: Yeah, we even was kind of offered outs on, uh, on the drop passes. I mean, he was like, he would came close to just calling for a, an outright ban on the team ever doing it again. They just and, and it, for a guy that preaches north-south hockey, I guess the drop pass is south hockey, and uh, he's go north, go north, and uh, uh, don't go. You know, don't you know? Is it you know Patton? You know who said, "I don't want to pay for the same real estate twice," and uh, yeah, that's what was happening. And you're like, no, we you've gotten the puck. Keep keep going forward. Forward is the direction.
1: Only on the net front, presence by the way, would you hear a reference to Patton, to General George Patton. Okay.
0: Right. The, uh, on the, uh, the eternal question, the eternal search for defensive pairings the, the latest addition and making at least one of our, uh, stltoday.com chat regulars quite happy. Scott Brunovich gets his call up after a dominant spin in the HL. Um, uh, and then to step aside from all of our negativity, uh, let's just talk briefly about him. Uh, certainly looked like he knew what he was doing out there. Uh, he is, uh, he's going to look for some fancy plays and he's going to make some fancy plays. Uh, I'm not sure how he fits the group, but so separating the overall concern for a moment about defensive pairings, JT, what was your impression of, uh, of Scott's uh, debut?
1: He knows how to pass. I mean, he, he has great instincts, great, uh, you know, uh, in terms of reading the ice, seeing what's there. And uh, again, in a, in, in a night where uh, the blues were going for style points instead of just, points with some of their passing what a novel concept try to put the puck directly on the stick of the player that you you intended to and and some of them were kind of long passes but it was refreshing to see and it wasn't a spectacular game for scott perunovich who knows how he'll as you mentioned long term be able to hold up defensively but uh and and i saw this at traverse we saw it in the preseason the guy can pass the puck and he's pretty direct with
2: it. Yeah, some of the numbers are skewed because he had so much power play time. But his, his expected goals numbers, his, his course percentage numbers, all among the best on the team yesterday. Defensively, those numbers were good, too, as far as limiting chances. Um, you know, he wasn't around when they were scoring goals, again, partly because he played so much on the power play. But also says, you know, they, they put this guy on the power play in his first day in the NHL. They did not hesitate. They said, this is what Scott Perunovic does. We're going to let him do it. And so they, they put him on the second power play, you know, they put him quarterbacking it there up high and, and, you know, did a fine job. The power play didn't score, but um, for, you know, among the guys we've seen come into the, you know, he's the third guy we've seen make his debut uh, this year and they've all done pretty well, but you know Perunovic was a guy that didn't look like he was making his NHL debut.
0: All right. So, but now the, the but question is uh, trying to come up with pairings that work. And this has been a, uh, a minute by minute uh, challenge for the, for the chief to, to make things work. The um, trying to get the most out of Pareko who's had to shoulder a big workload, uh, trying to uh, get the most out of Krug who's, you know, offensively uh, is working some magic and is back from COVID. But guys, I, JT, how how do you fit this together? Do do you have any sense of what could work? Because it seems like just about everything they've tried has, you know, maybe um, at times looked good and then at times uh, didn't hold up at all. So just, which is where the heck do you think this team is in terms of uh, workable pairings? Well,
1: Chief went into this with the best of intentions. I mean, the first six games, he didn't change the pairing. If you look back at last year, I think the longest stretch they ever went where they didn't change the pairings was seven games. So he went in with the best intentions through nine games. They, they'd only had four pairings and that was because he wanted to get Mikula in for, for a couple of games. Well, then Krug goes down. Then Scandella starts struggling. Then uh, uh, Pareko starts struggling. Then you bring Perunovic up. So it, it's scrambled eggs right now. Uh, right now he's, he's going to have uh uh, Perunovic with uh, with with Falk and, and Thomas in the process of writing about that the the two Minnesota Duluth guys uh, <laughs> Falk has taken Perunovic in uh, to, to 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 his home so he's he's trying that uh, Krug is going to play with uh, 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 Pareko and that leaves us with Scandella down on the third pairing now with uh, Bortuzzo. and we would assume uh, less minutes. And, and Jake Wallman's the odd guy out. Now it's a little puzzling why you know Mikula hasn't been given maybe more of a run. Of course, recently he he, he was on the COVID list himself, but now he's clear. He's he's he, he's ready to go. If he doesn't play, he, he will be a healthy scratch, not not because of uh, COVID. But I think it's safe to say that uh, uh, you know uh, Baruby's still looking for answers, and, and and they're a little heavy now. They they've got eight defenders so i you know I, I don't know how long that goes on uh, is wallman in trouble uh in terms of being sent out uh, is is uh, uh working the phones in terms of trading scandela it's kind of a delicate thing because i okay it's been what four five six games like this I do, do, is it a panic move if you, if, you, if you all of a sudden say you want to make sweeping changes right now i mean we're talking about an 82 game schedule. You know, I mean, that that's part of the thing you got to, you got to take the long view as well as look at what's happening right now.
2: Scandella has had all sorts of problems and the, the, his numbers have been bad and you look at it and say, it's, you know, the number of bad passes, you know, failed clearance attempts that he's had has been higher than you would like. And, you know, he's, he's been probably below average uh, for, for much of this season. Um, you know, I've, I've, I was saying actually, you know, talk about Wallman being the odd man out since they have two extra defensemen right now, they're actually, I guess they're the even guys out uh, right now because you have two guys in Mikola and Wallman not playing, but yeah, I don't know how it's going to work. Wallman hasn't been good. I don't know how long they can carry two spare defensemen because right now they have no spare healthy forwards as long as Shen is out. And it we didn't get the most optimistic estimate <laughs> on when Shen might be back from the Ruby today. So you know, it, it's going to be tough. They might have to think about sending Wallman or Mikula down, um, and, you know, at some point, just if they need to get, you know, if somebody gets banged up and can't play, they need another forward, you know, uh, is very possible. So we'll, we'll see. You would think, you know, I, again, we haven't seen enough of Mikula to seem like to have an opinion, but certainly based on what the coaching staff has decided there, they seem to be in no rush lately to play the guy.
0: Yeah, ultimately, it would seem like this team is going to be um, well positioned to make some sort of a a roster adjustment if they get healthier up front. You know, assuming Shen gets back uh, at some point in place to his ability. There's so many uh, intriguing options up front because on that side, uh, as you get guys healthy and knowing that you've gotten some decent fill in work from uh, Dakota, you know, Joshua is just an extra guy uh, coming in. Um, You know, there's just, there's a, it's interesting to look at all the different things you can do up front. And, uh, and then knowing that, of course, Vladimir Teraseko would would still uh, take a trade and you probably do need a top four D man of some description that you have to invest some money in that that will solidify things. And so then you have some surplus on the blue line and maybe an extra forward is are there things you can do, to just um, readjust the roster to, uh, you know, to, to recognize the fact that some guys have assumed bigger roles like Thomas and Cairo. You can't keep all your forwards long-term and you definitely need another top four D man. So it's really, JT, it's not hard to imagine um, this thing getting to a point where they will be um, subject of some speculation with this roster.
1: Yeah. And I, I still think it's a little early if you're a, another team in the league on Tarasenko. I I would think you'd want to see a little more still early in the season, you know, depending on each team's circumstances, perhaps they, you know, maybe they have some players that are struggling that they, they, let's give them more time to see if they work themselves off, uh, work themselves out. But uh, my gosh, in terms of just pure offense from from Tarasenko, it's, it's hard to say. It hasn't been uh, very impressive. I mean, seven goals and just the nature of those seven goals all seven in the third period three have tied games in the third period and one only one unfortunately resulted in an overtime point but uh, uh, the other two were were straight out regulation losses and and uh, he's had two game winners so not only has he had volume in terms of his offense he's had very clutch performances so right now that looks like a big chunk of your offense out to get a, a fourth defenseman, you know, you know, going into last year uh, Armstrong kind of one, one of our little Traverse city conversations, kinda, the hope was that Vince Dunn would move up and be the fourth D and, and then Scandella would, would move down and, and be the five D. I mean, at least in so many words, that's a strong impression. I got that didn't work out. Obviously now Dunn is gone. Scandella, maybe his first four or five games, he was very good. And then now he just kind of, just kind of fallen off a cliff. So I, 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 I I think you make a great point as we sit here right now, who knows, maybe in two weeks, it'll be different, Jeff, but this team needs a fourth defenseman. They need another top four defenseman and it doesn't look like it's on the roster right now.
2: Yeah. Mikula is healthy and available. The Ruby told us today. So, you, you you know, where, where is that line where they say, okay, let's, let's scratch Scandella, which is not something I think they want to do, but um, yeah, but I also don't see a a robust trade market for Marco Scandella at this point in time. I don't see teams saying, yes, send us him. Um, So yeah, I I don't know how that happens, you know, and I don't think a Tarasenko trade is going to happen until closer to the deadline until, teams know exactly what they need unless somebody, you know, loses a forward and and the person's out for the season and can take on uh, his salary. But until then,
0: I I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. And if I had to just spitball something, I think at some point, maybe they, maybe he gets moved more for cap space and maybe they look at something like the Kraken who are going to likely be buried the way things are going. And they've got a couple guys in their blue line that would fit the, the model of what this team could use. And they would probably have an interest in it. Let's say a Jake Wallman. So like throwing two trade possibilities out there. Uh, not exactly like Tarasenko for a D man, but ter- Tarasenko for, for cap space and then cap space uh, and a young D man for, 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 for more of a heavyweight to put on the blue line. But uh, we'll save that for a little bit later. Maybe all of this becomes moot boot because so many guys play well, uh, as the team tries to turn the corner. Last thing, while we still have Tom, because he's got to go off and do an interview, I do want to um, touch just briefly with both you guys on the return of Oscar Sundquist. Not a lot of minutes coming back from injury. It's more on what could he become in three weeks than where he is today. But certainly I think, uh, JT, the team was, uh, it's always uplifting to get a guy who's just important to your mix back in the, in, in the uh, lineup.
1: Well, well, first off, uh, Jeff, that's what was maybe the most disappointing thing of last night. You would think you get Sunquist back, and it was a pretty touching thing at, at, at practice with O'Reilly saying the words, the uh, stick taps, and the hug, hug from Tarasenko. You have got that. You have got Tori Krug back, uh, basically talking the coach into playing. His symptoms weren't as bad as O'Reilly, so he 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 was just uh, chomping at the bit to get back in the lineup. And then you have Perunovic up. So you, you think there would have been just this tremendous uh, emotional, energetic spark uh, by the team. I mean, with, with the exception of Shen, they're playing with a full deck for basically the first time all season. And it was just the, uh, uh, the, 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 the opposite effect. And now I forgot your original question.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Oh, but I got the, a- the impression of Sonny. Your boy,
1: Sonny. Sonny, oh, well, it's going to take a while. Uh, You know, he missed eight eight months. Look, it took Tarasenko uh, uh, two years to, to, we think, get back. And then a surprise, I, I think maybe some people in the organization knew about it, but he also had surgery on not one hip, but two hips. So he had a threefer. He had two hip surgeries and then a knee surgery. And so Oscar is coming back. Uh, from all this, but it, it, I think it's going to take probably several weeks for Oscar to get back. But he is one of the prototypical Ruby players in terms of he's got some physicality, underrated passer, kill penalties. He will go north. That's the, the mantra with Barubi, and, and he'll pop in a goal uh, now and then. I mean, we all uh, Tom and myself and with some help from Luke Korak. We we, we actually added statistics For uh, we we went analytical on the Sunquist effect and what what was it Tom? They're 522 winning percentage without him in the lineup and like 650 with him. So it's a powerful effect when uh, Sunquist is in the lineup. It's it's just gonna take a while for us to start. I think feeling that that, those effects.
2: Yeah, but even if he can't play, gosh, I think he makes everybody on the team happier. I don't think there's he he has got to be the most liked guy on the team, and he's just you know, a, a very genial uh, Swedish demeanor, and he, and he jokes around, and uh, uh, I, I think I know how well we get along with him, and there's every sign that the teammates, you know, just, you know, enjoy having, uh, having him around. Uh, he's a, a
0: good guy who's good in the room, as they are wanted to say. All right. Well, hey, thanks, Tom, for your contribution. To the net front. We'll hang out a little bit longer with JT uh, as Tom heads off on another assignment. But JT, I'll be listening to go. the end of it later on. All right. Well, we'll catch him. Say some stuff about you when you uh, when you yeah. jump off here. So uh, uh, JT, uh, you, you, we kind of touched on it a bit early, but earlier, but <clears throat> clearly, clearly, this team's got to get David Prawn going again, and uh, and and also get. We we saw some flashes with. Uh, with Ryan O'Reilly starting to get his game back, uh, getting that duo clicking again, uh, knowing that you have another line that's been going quite well uh, right now, uh, would, would, I think, make a real difference as this team tries to get back to sustaining some pressure. Yeah, yeah, I,
1: and, I, and I think it's good that uh, late in the game, uh, uh, Barubi uh, reunited uh, O'Reilly and Peron uh, together with Kairu. And that's that's the line based on the line rushes today. That that is the line that that we'll see uh, uh, Thursday night uh, uh, with the San Jose Sharks uh, coming into town. And and uh, you know, I, I just got off the chat, and and people were wondering about all the changes. And uh, I think Baruby really went into the season uh, wanting as much continuity as he could. And I think players, to a man, they they would like. Minimal changes in terms of the line, because you really get to know your teammates when you're together all the time. And if I had one second guess, I think he separated those two maybe a little too quickly when O'Reilly came back from uh, from the COVID. I, it was like two and a half games, maybe three games total. I, I think in, in that third game back for O'Reilly, he split Peron and O'Reilly uh apart and they've been too good for too long to not just say hey let's just keep them together they'll they'll work itself out but uh i think o'reilly's pretty much back i mean he he, he was all over it last night he had two assists almost had three hit a crossbar he's had a lot of good chances since he's been back but uh perron's the guy that uh, uh you got to get going and he, even chief and you know Peron loves his team he loves hockey he works hard but interestingly uh, but Ruby said the chief said that Perron's got to work a little harder to get more offensive chances. Cause at least O'Reilly has been getting chances. Perron hasn't been getting a ton of chances. lately.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny when you're on the when you're on the prowl and you're feeling good, you're just a, you're in attack mode. And uh, it seems like David's been caught in between a lot. And then he's been, you know, firing shots out of sequence, if you will, with his team and teammates missing nets, just not being in the rhythm of of, of where he needs to be. So, um definitely need to get him going um last thing we'll touch on uh, it's a small thing with the net front but and uh, not a surprise but with the team up against the cap with uh having uh brought uh, neil in and that's worked out quite well Clem coston our guy uh doing enough to to hang around a uh, guy that's well liked on the team kyle clifford ends up being essentially a uh a cap casualty, but also because he's a guy that's respected in by other teams that have had him uh, it, it appears he got, he got the softest possible landing after just sort of, uh, you know, running out of uh, into the into the number game numbers game here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, I didn't even understand, uh, uh, you know, why didn't somebody just claim him? But I, I guess if you're playing, they can't send you to the minor leagues, at least not right away. And so this way by, by the trade, uh, you know, uh, they can send him o- over to the Marlies. He's been with Toronto before hockey, crazy, uh, uh, town. And, uh, I just, I just don't think we got at least what I thought we were going to see in Clifford. You know, we didn't see the snarl and the the hits and the physicality as much. Yeah. He got in a few fights last year, but just, I just don't think we, we saw as much as we were hoping for. And one of the reasons, uh, Armstrong said he made the move was he always, uh, Armstrong always asked players, what, what do you think we need? And they, 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 they wanted a guy that, uh, to hopefully add a guy that would maybe stand up for them in terms of dropping the gloves and, 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 and whatnot. Was he a bus? No, when, when you're only playing paying a million dollars for a guy and it doesn't work out, he, he's not a bus. So, uh, yeah, good luck to, uh, uh, Kyle Clifford uh, with uh, uh, the Toronto organization, and this will this will free up, uh, you know, maybe a a little more of a spot for uh, for somebody if it means you know more playing time for Costin or somebody that's doing well. You know, I talked to Drew Bannister. You might might have saw with the uh, when Perunovic came up, and he was talking about how well Logan Brown was was playing down there. So. And, it, you know, it, it just frees up another spot potentially for, for somebody to, to, to come in.
0: I got to give one quick shout out to my boy, my, my boy, Clem. Because I, I love this. And I, and I love the fact the referee figured it out. So, so Costin takes two, uh, you know, moderate cross checks in the back. So he says, okay, fine. <laughs> he, 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 get, he comes out of the corner, forgets about the puck, gets in behind Clayton Keller and just gives him one good one. And boom. And, of course, here comes, you know, the skirmish to follow after that. But uh, and he, and the officials send both guys off. But I love the fact that he said, okay, well, that's fine. I'll just, I'll just come right behind you and, and do it to you and then get into the middle of a, of a scrum. So, I, you know, and I, I'm, starting to, I'm starting to become a big fan. I think he's irritable. He shows me a little bit more offense every time. He shows me a little something there, a little something there. Um, and, uh, and he's got that edge. He's, he's going to fight somebody here pretty soon he's been close. They you know, he got wrestled, they had to get wrestled out of there yesterday. So I, you know, I don't know if I'm ready to go buy a, um, a replica sweater just yet, but, uh, but you're heading uh, down that track. I, I know I'm starting to get interested. Yeah. This,
1: no, this is uh this is uh, you know, Jeff, Jeff doesn't embrace uh, hockey players just willy nilly. This is a big step here. This is, this is uh this is groundbreaking, potentially groundbreaking.
0: If, if he develops. Now, and then the last things I'll, I'll touch on, you know, we uh, this team has one-by-one one lost guys who have been cup winners and cup winners here. But, you know, Perunovic has won at the collegiate level. Kostin won in Russia. Uh, you, you've, you've brought in guys who have done things elsewhere. Tory Krug certainly got to the final and, and was right there. Well, for the look Bruins. at Robert
1: Thomas, Memorial Cup winner. Yeah. Uh, 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 Stanley Cup winner his
0: first year. Yeah. So, yeah, and then Saad has played on winning teams, of course. So, uh, you know, they, they've got – I think they could get the attitude going together. I think there's potential for this team to to embrace what they need to embrace, but uh, yeah, right now, just, uh, just a lot of talent, a lot of potential. And, uh, and right now, a little bit of angst for the coaches. He's trying to figure out all these, all these pieces. I, I, I like this team on paper, but JT, we've said that before.
1: Yeah. 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 We have, it got to the point where, uh, And I think Berube's point, he's comfortable enough around him. My first thing I asked him today was, did you sleep okay last night? And uh, he's already established that he doesn't have a dog, so he couldn't come home and kick the dog after that. uh, He said he slept okay.
0: Well, that's good. And I hope the fans out there are not going too far off uh, the rail. So for Jim (coughs) Thomas, for for Tom Timmerman, I'm Jeff Gordon. This has been a less happy edition of the Netfront Presence. A reminder that you can find all of our podcasts on STL Today slash podcast, also your favorite podcast app. Uh, Tell your friends about us, uh, like us, listen to us. Until next time, for Jim Thomas and Tom Timmerman, I'm Jeff Gordon. See you.